Welcome to Behind the Wall with Eric Levine. I'm Eric Levine, your host, and today I have a very special, special guest with me. Uh, you will know him from VH1, from that metal show. Uh, Eddie Trunk is an amazing encyclopedia of music and all things that matter in the metal world. So I wanted to uh, thank you, Eddie, for coming on and uh, welcome you to the show, brother. Hey, Eric. Thanks for having me. Hope you're doing well, man. Yeah, all hanging in there and uh, like everyone, you know, doing the best uh, the best that we can in this day and age. You know, yep, for sure. It is a wild, wild world. So, yeah, again, yeah. thank you for coming on and uh, spending a little time with me. You know, the, the, the show itself is, is about life and cool stuff and fun stuff and restaurants. And, and I thought, who better to have to talk about the music stuff than you? Because let's face it, you are the encyclopedia. You're my go-to guy when I can't figure <laughs> out what the hell's going on in the music world. I don't even have to look at anything else. I just have to turn on your uh, your broadcast on, on XM and, and and listen to the replays, and, and it's awesome. So thank you for doing all that you're doing, man. Oh, thanks, man. It's been a pretty uh, incredible odyssey of uh, you know going on. Coming up, geez, on a couple of years, on 40 years of uh, of doing broadcasting about rock music. So it's lucky to, like, you know, doing what you do. I mean, if you can make a career out of what your passion is, that's a, a real blessing. So I've been lucky in that regard. Absolutely. So if, so if people don't know who you are and they want to follow you on uh, on social media, it's eddietrunk.com on your website. And then on XM, it's, it's uh, 106. Yeah, I'm on Sirius or XM, either radio or now it's a combined company, so it's Sirius XM. But depending upon when people got their radio, some people, as many know, it used to be two companies. So some people have an XM radio, some a Sirius radio. It's all one company now under the name Sirius XM. So either or I'm on uh, channel 106 live every day, two to four Eastern. It's the show is called Trunk Nation. It's a rock talk show and interviews and what have you. And then it replays every night, 10 to midnight Eastern. And then the full shows go on demand on the uh, app on Sirius XM. And then after my interviews, they run a few times, I'm able to put them out as a podcast, which is totally free and goes out to everybody, uh, a, a new episode every Thursday. And it doesn't cost anything. And you can get that pretty much anywhere you get podcasts, Apple podcast, podcast one, whatever. So there's a, there's a bunch of outlets that the cool thing is when I do these interviews or do these shows, they have a pretty long shelf life because they'll air live, which is what I love doing. I love the spontaneity of live. And then it'll live on for a while and then start out with the subscribers to Sirius XM and then go beyond that. So it's been, it's been pretty cool to, uh, you know, to be able to de deliver content like that. Yeah. And you know what? The one thing I love about it is that you always have great content. It's never boring. Um, I do, I do love uh, jumping on Twitter when you bring something up that someone gets twisted about kind of like uh, not playing live music and to tracks. So as someone who loves music and loves live music, I'm glad you're the voice of, of all of us to say, stop playing tracks and stop playing live. You know, it's, it's great. And I know you got a little pushback from a couple of clowns, but I know, you know, well, well, that's an interesting point though, Eric, because see, the thing is this, I, I, I don't, everyone is not going to love what I say. Everyone is not going to agree with every position I have on things. Although on that particular topic, I mean, I think it's pretty indefensible to say you want to go to a live show and the music, find out the music's not being live. I don't yeah. know who would sign on for that or try to defend that, except for people who are doing, that, playing yeah. two recordings. But, <laughs> but, 
that, but in the broader picture, I mean, I am fully aware and don't expect people to love every position I have or agree with it or every artist to to like what I'm going to say or where I'm going with something. But I, I'm lucky in that I've been doing this long enough that I am confident that the bulk of my audience is going to be there with me and appreciates the fact that I am coming from the heart and at least from my perspective, a very real, honest, authentic position. Uh, one of the problems I see is in, in, in sort of media today is that literally everybody has and can have some sort of platform, uh, podcast, right. YouTube page, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook Live, whatever. And there's very few people that are actually uh, giving it to giving to them unfiltered and, and really, you know, from an educated standpoint. So that's one of the great intangibles that I have. And I'm always going to do that. I may not end up being everyone's friend, but I'm going to have most of the people listening still and respecting the fact that I'm willing to say what I say. So I see so much out there of people just feeding the, the lines of what they feel they should be saying and not really talking truthfully and honestly about what's really going on. And that's because, you know, they're worried, oh, I have to make sure I get a guest or I have to, you know, make sure that, you know, I'm on this platform. I got to make sure that somebody's listening and nobody gets you know, upset or put off. I mean, I don't really feel you can do your job well if if you're not pissing off somebody. <laughs> I agree. I, I agree 100%. Because, because you. Yeah. you know, you, otherwise you're just feeding nonsense. So I'm going to be straight with my audience. It's a benefit that I have because I've got such a, a big loyal audience. And it's a benefit that I have just in terms of like the experience that I have in doing it. And, and it's not just it's not just shooting shooting shit out there to 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 cause or stir the pot. It's just because I'm coming from an educated perspective on it because I've literally spent my whole life in the business. Yeah. And, and that's one of the great things about it. Like when you have, you know, all sorts of musicians or people from the music business in and you're able to, you know, guide, like, you know, really talk to them one on one about the real deal about things that they've gone through and you've gotten some amazing interviews and people brought up some really interesting things that, that uh, maybe may, people, most people wouldn't know until they got to your show and all of a sudden you're getting them to spill some things out. I love those aha moments when it's, when it's live and you're listening and you, you're, they're willing to share with you because they trust you. And that's a big thing, you know, with any, with anybody, you know, trust who you're talking to trust that they're not trying to set you up and, and take you down a journey uh, that they want to go down. And that's, that's an important thing. That's one of the things I admire about you. You're always very, very open and honest with your, with the people you have, with your fans. Um, it's, it's, it's great to hear that. Well, thanks. I mean, the other thing about it too, that I always say to my audience, at least, is the fact that I, I don't think for a minute that I know it all. And I am learning through my audience sometimes every day, still after all yeah. these decades of doing this open to that. And I also, one of the real beauties of doing live daily radio is the interactivity. So I can take, I can make, say something and someone can call in and say, you know what? I disagree. Here's why, or here's what, what I think, or here's where you're wrong, or here's where you're right. I love that aspect of it and I welcome it. So it's a two way street. You know, I, I want to give my audience just as much of an opportunity to agree or disagree or present their side of something 
Um, or just, you know, look, the, the huge majority of what I do is really more celebrating and loving the music. But when something goes down that I don't see right or I think it's unfair to fans, I, I want my show to be an advocate for the fans and a voice for the fans. I mean, there's something going on right now with a bunch of tours that are yeah, being, I was gonna bring that yeah, postponed yeah. and the fans are have money on the line. And I mean, I want to be able to be an outlet for them. So it's it's a really I think it's an important thing. And it's it's rare. They're really my my radio show is modeled after I call it sports talk for rock fans. It, I'm a sports talk fan. My show is basically that, except instead of talking about sports, we talk about rock music. Yeah, which is which is great because I you know I found it because I have I have your website as a uh, um, a update. So anytime something you post something up there about music or whatever, and then right before um, we you joined me that post about the the ta- this uh, stadium tour, um, and it's something you've been talking about for a while. Like you know how do they how do they not know how do they like you know you put your fans out there you got you know all these different like live wire not returning money um you know when you talked about Ozzy and canceling the tour for for right reasons but not pushing the money back to them that that that's the kind of the shit that makes me crazy where you know these people are working hard for their money you know they're working really hard in this day and age there's no nobody's making money right now and and to make them wait till summer of 20 you know 21 who knows what's going to be yeah. And just, yeah. I mean, I had a, I had a guy on my radio show today that he's called in in the past and he, you know, he's just, uh, he's had thousands of dollars tied up in tickets and he just now is starting to get, to get some, some of that money back. But he told me today on that, on that stadium tour date alone, he has uh, about $900 tied up and he was expecting today after waiting a month, getting a press release basically about nothing a month ago, he was fully expecting today to be the day that they were going to come with some real information and they got nothing. They got, well, we're, you know, the tour's not happening, which everybody knew that, right. but okay, you made us wait a month. You're going to give us new dates. You're going to give us refund information. No. So no, not yet, at least. So look, I understand it's a tough time. I understand even these promoters, even a promoter as big as live nation is struggling but you got to do the right thing by the fans. These fans have made these promoters, you know, billions of dollars yeah. over the last 10 years or so. And it's just time to do the right thing for these people. A lot of them, like you said, out of work and struggling. Well, speaking about lots of tours being canceled, where do you, where do you see the industry going? Like, do you think like for now there's going to be live streaming concerts that will be, you know, sponsored payment as opposed to fan payment? Uh, is that something that's even that you're hearing about, like bands want to just gig and and play for the fans and find some sponsorships to pay for the costs? Well, the sponsorship angle is difficult because a lot of those guys are hurting. You know, for instance, I I make uh, I I do as I mentioned I I pump out a podcast a week myself, and it's just a re-air of one of my Sirius XM interviews. It just gives people who don't have Sirius or XM a chance to hear what I'm doing. And also people outside of the U.S. or Canada to hear it. And um, that podcast, you know, which has is 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 produced by a major the the biggest producer of podcasts. And the job is to put advertising in it and hopefully make a couple bucks. Um, Yeah, that's taken a huge hit since the pandemic. Because advertising revenues are way down because companies don't want to spend the money for advertising. So to to work on a sponsor model 
I think is going to be really hard because a lot of the companies that you would go to for the sponsorship dollars may not be sponsoring stuff right now because they've had to endure layoffs or issues with the pandemic. So this is this has impact so many different levels of of the the industry, including the media industry, when it comes to advertising or sponsor based stuff. So I think that's going to be a little challenging. I think the more likely thing which you're seeing happen now is a lot of artists are doing a performance uh, of some sort online and basically putting out what I would say is the equivalent of a tip jar where there's a, right. a link. Hey, if you want to help out the band and crew, make a donation. If you don't want to, that's cool. And some have generated uh, great money with that. And, and then there's some toying with the idea of like, Hey, five bucks to watch this thing. I know Damon Johnson just sent me a note. He did that last week. I don't know how much money he made, but it's a $5 quote unquote ticket to access the stream. So there's a lot of ways to do it, but unfortunately, Eric, it's the same old story. The, the, all Whatever money is being generated, whatever interest level is all going to be dictated by how popular the artist is. And that's right. a bit of the catch-22 because the guys that are at the club level that tour normally at, a, say, a club level, they really need the money and they are really the ones hurting the most yet they're going to generate the least because they don't have the biggest fan base. Whereas if Foo Fighters went on to do it, well, God knows they don't need the money, but they'll make millions if they did it. So it's, right. it's just that sort of old catch 22 where, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tough model. That's why I tell fans all the time that call my show, like, Hey, how can we help out our favorite bands? I'm like, well, look, if your favorite band is the Rolling Stones, don't worry about it. They're fine. <laughs> you know, if your right. favorite band is, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better term, L.A. Guns, then go buy one of their shirts or see how you can help them because they they do live tour to tour and they could use the help. So that's it's all relative. It really is. Yeah, it's, it is kind of interesting because I've talked to a few, you know, you know, I know a couple of guys uh, through a couple of bands and, and talking to them and, and, you know, they're trying to figure out ways to to generate more, but they also realize they have to be in front of their fans. Uh, you know, so they're doing little little, you know, snippets on Instagram or on whatever social media platform they could get to. Um, and actually, I saw before we, before we joined me, I was on Facebook and I saw Randy Jackson from uh, Zebra doing a doing a, a live stream and he had the tip jar out there. I was like, oh, it's Randy Jackson. That's kind of cool, you know. Yeah, I mean, the thing was, is, is literally everyone is pretty much doing it in some way. I mean, you got a couple things going on. You got literally everybody doing some sort of online performance at some level and then you got everybody literally doing some sort of broadcast at some level whether it's youtube or a podcast or stream or whatever so it's great everybody's trying to get creative and do different things to connect with their their fan base or their customers or whatever it may be the the problem is just like releasing music in the last five ten years the problem is is people knowing it exists because yeah. it's so saturated the it's so there's so much out there that it's it's kind of hard for people to even follow or find out about it and that's that's the real challenge but but even like medium big bands like last year Queensryche put an album out and i just happened to be downloading one of their other albums and i'm like there's a new album i had no idea you know and and it's like you have to you have to find it 
to, to get the information and you really got to look for it. Like you said, saturated. So a few questions I have for you that are not music related. Um, what's your favorite meal? What would be your go-to meal? Oh my gosh. Way too much. To, I would not know. Oh my God. That's very, very, very difficult. Um, you know, I grew up in a very Italian dominated family. Right. Um, my, my, my mom's last name is Ardolino. I'm half Italian, but that was the dominant side of my upbringing because my mom had two sisters and two brothers. My dad, who's German, which is trunk. He, he, uh, you know, his family was much smaller and uh, his brother passed away when, and, and his mom when, when I was way young. So the dominant upbringing for me was my uh, was my Italian side. And I literally grew up in an Italian liquor deli store in <laughs> Madison, New Jersey, which sadly is no longer there. But to the point where like I would walk home from school and not go home, go to the store, do my homework and eat in the back. And then we'd go home after the store closed. So that was very much imprinted on me. And my aunt who sadly just passed away a week ago um, at 90, okay. she was an amazing cook. Uh, she, she cooked all fresh pastas and uh fresh Italian meats and uh, we had the deli out front and that all that sex. stuff. And so that is such a big, big part of my upbringing. And to this day, I mean, I'm the biggest carb junkie in the world <laughs> uh, when it comes to fresh breads and pastas and cold cuts and all that sort of stuff. That's really Italian cheeses. I mean, that's just such a big bread and butter thing for me. But look, I also love uh, Asian food and I love Mexican food and I love, uh, I've told you this before when I've eaten in your places. Uh, the weird thing with me is that I I could get just as excited about having a really great steak or go to some high-end exclusive restaurant as I would hitting the White Castle drive-through. <laughs> I don't discriminate like a good a good that's White awesome. Castle yeah. gets me as pumped up as like a $300 meal and that's the truth. So you know, and that explains it. I mean, my only vice, if I have one in my life, is food. I I love to eat. Um, it's been a battle my whole life because I've, I've gone up and down with my weight and I've always weighed too much. But it's all food driven. If you told me tomorrow I could never touch alcohol the rest of my life, wouldn't phase me. Right. But I ne <laughs> never did a drug in my life. Worked in the music industry my whole life. Never did drugs. That's never had a dependency issue. But. I love to eat and um, it's, that's the struggle. So I know that's a long winded answer to what should have been a one word question, but I just love so much of <laughs> no, it. That, that's... And that's kind of how I am about it. But, you know, there's a couple things like there's an old over a hundred year old restaurant in New York in little Italy called Vincent's. Oh yeah, um, I've been going there since I was a kid. I still love it. It's still probably my favorite tomato sauce much to the chagrin of my Italian family that I would dare say it's not my mom's or my aunt's. Right. But I, I, you know, they make a dish there that I absolutely love. Um, my favorite steakhouse is a place called the strip house, which has been around about 20 years. They sold the one in New Jersey, but I still think they got a location in New York. So there's a few places that like more on the 
out, you know, go out dining things that I really like. But for the most part, yeah, I, I don't discriminate too much. And I, and I mean, there's things I don't eat. I'm not a fish guy at all. Uh, but but outside of that, man, I, I love, uh, I guess, a, a, a great Italian meal like that is is really the biggest vice. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, you know, and, and it's, it, you know, food, especially um, with big families that are, are geared around food, it becomes a, a more, a deeper thing. It becomes more than just sustenance. It's sharing stories, being around the family, the, the conversations, all those things that, uh, that, you know, surround food, which is the greatest thing in the universe. Well, um, I got it. I got to tell you real quick on that. And the, the fact that you're bringing this up now is, is really timely because aunt that I mentioned who just passed away, who was like another mother to me, uh, you met her once she came to the restaurant. Um, okay. you know, but she, she, uh, part of the experience of eating when she would cook these Sunday dinners that would start at like two and end at 10 uh, and be, be, you know, course (laughs) after course of starting with this and ending with that and this in the middle. And then of course, ending with an array of homemade pies and cakes. The thing about it was the food was unbelievable but also it was a family communal experience. When I spoke at my aunt's funeral and I said that, I said, you know, this was the rock, this was the glue, this was the bond, us going there to her house and having these dinners really kept the whole family engaged and together and connected. So with her gone, not only are we missing all the great, uh, you know, home cooking, but we're also going to miss those sort of, community family community get together experiences yeah not for sure that 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 is is such an important thing that you know that's why i like to write cookbooks for myself i want to bring bring people back to the kitchen with the family as much as i want them to come to my restaurants all day and night i also want them to get back to what we grew up with you know that that community that uh sense of of family you know and that that gets missed out a lot because people are in such a rush everyone's working hard and and you know that's an important thing for uh, people to you know they've had enough time together now so that's that's cool so come back to the restaurants yeah but over the decades ever... over the decades i would bring people to my aunts for these dinners whether it be friends or at the time girlfriends or whatever it may be and they were or even my brother would bring people over the years because it was always, yeah, bring some anyone you want. And especially people that weren't from Italian families, they, they were, right. they were like flabbergasted. Away, right? Like <laughs> they didn't even understand. They're like, well, if we have dessert, there's usually like one pie, you've got 12. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know, that's how we do it. That's great. Even when my aunt passed away just recently, I've gotten a bunch of sympathy cards and stuff. And, anyone that was ever at one of her dinners all referenced the dinner. So they made very big impacts on a lot of people, myself included. Yeah. That, that food memory is, is an amazing thing. So the last question I have for you is, have you thought about writing a metal cookbook? Mm. So getting with, so getting with your favorite bands and finding out what their favorite thing is and creating from that. Um, you know, something like that was done 
once or twice oh, okay. by someone. I don't remember who, but I do remember getting a book like that. Because, oh, really? Oh, yeah, okay. somebody did that. I can't remember who it was. It was there's been one or two books like that because I remember them being presented to me to help promote. But um, me personally, no, because see, I don't. I personally don't cook. That's the one thing. Like, where as much as I love food. I never do. I never prepare it. I don't cook at all beyond throwing a burger on my grill. I don't, I don't, or boiling some water. There's not much that I do. And a lot of that is also driven by the fact that I'm just not into cleaning up and cleaning dishes and I'm just lazy like that. So that would be, you know, that's a big, that's a big reason why I've never even engaged in looking into a cookbook or cooking myself. Uh, I, I, when normal times, I love going out to restaurants when I can do it. So I've never thought of that. My goal right now though, is to finish my, what will be my third book, which is not anything to do with cooking, but it's my life story more or less of nearly 40 years in all areas of the rock business. And I, I, yeah, I've I've written and had published two books already, which are more about bands that I love and my stories with them. This book is be, would be more my story which I'm asked about all the time, you know, how does a kid from New Jersey end up his whole life and TV and radio and all this, just because of this passion for the music. So I started that book and I got about halfway through it and I just hit a wall with it. And I have not, uh, it's funny with the pandemic, I thought I was going to have a ton of downtime and I've been actually busier than I've ever been working from home. Thankfully, I'm grateful for it, having a ton of work. So I thought I was going to have a lot of downtime to finish it off. And I just haven't. It's about halfway done. I was working on it. I I take, I was taking monthly trips to LA in normal times and I was same deal. Like, okay, I'm on the plane six hours. I'll knock some out and I get on the plane and I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm going to a different time zone. I want to sleep for a couple hours. So I just got lazy, (laughs) but that's the book I need to finish because the people who do listen to me or watch me or follow me, they they're waiting for that. And they want the stories on how that metal show came to be and how the radio shows came to be or how this interview happened or what was this guy like? So that's what I'm working on next, but you never know somewhere down the line about doing something different like that. You you should do a show. You should do like a live show or a video show with you, Chris Jericho and Portnoy, and you should go around to different restaurants. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other guys that I know that are huge foodies like that too. Uh, I I mean, uh, one of the guys, one of my closest friends is the, everyone would know him. He's a major league baseball hall of fame, Mike Piazza. Oh, Piazza. Yeah. You know what? That's the other one to throw in. Yeah, and Mike, you know, Mike has taken me to to some great restaurants over the years. Mike took me to Rayo's once, which you got to know somebody to get in there, yeah, five tables exactly. or whatever. So I've had some pretty, you know, some pretty good, uh, gotten some some uh, knowledge and experience on how the other half lives through him. You know? <laughs> so I'd have to include him, but. Now there's a lot of there's a lot of people I know that are intensely into food. It's funny, man. All these rock artists, as you know, because you know some of them, they you, fans think about like what are they, what do they talk about backstage or what are they into or what goes on back there. A lot of it is about where'd you eat, where are you gonna eat, right? Or what <laughs> what kind of cholesterol medicine are you taking, or how's your prostate? You know, right? Especially these guys. These yeah, <laughs> the guys are age. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've seen a bunch of that. Well, listen, Eddie, thank you so much for uh, for joining me and, and and coming on my little podcast, which I'm which I'm going to turn into a monster. So I, I appreciate the uh, the help with this, and and of course the information and you're you're sharing your stories. And uh, definitely, once we get this thing through, I, you guys got to come on out for dinner and uh, let me feed you. Yeah, well, I look forward to that. I I I, I miss. Uh... I miss, you know, not only coming to your place, but I miss coming to all my favorite restaurants. I mean, I got to say, takeout's not the same. I, I, I oh my, it just no. doesn't. <laughs> not. And there are things that just don't transfer well Translate. as a takeout food. Oh, trust me. I actually, on my thumb, I have a, 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 a callus on my thumb from shutting um, tin pans, the little takeout tins. Yeah. And never in my life yeah it's, and i understand i understand as, as as someone in that business you've got to be resourceful and figure it out yeah. and i i get it and i yes. i'm still patronizing a ton of my local restaurants that are doing takeout because Good. uh Thank you, uh, you know i love the food and because i want to support them so i'm still doing that but there's just certain things you just uh, you know like i love a great dish of pasta that just never gets to the destination well it's it yeah. steams it gets mushy it just doesn't yeah. it's not a transfer it's like french it's like it's like french fries exactly french fries You're never maybe, getting takeout french fries yeah maybe across the board french fries like my favorite food in the world of all and and it's just something you never you're never going to get unless you're going to get them hot on the plate as soon as they come out of that kitchen yep. and and it exactly. also ties into what we touched on earlier is like th- there's part of it because you're you're loving the food but it's also that thing of going in and sitting with your friends or your family i mean how yep. many times did I come into one of your place with some close friends or my family yeah. and then you come over and sit yeah. and we get to see each other. And so yeah. all of that is a big part that's missing as well as enjoying the food. So I'm hoping like exactly. everybody, we get back to it soon. Yep, absolutely. Well, I look forward to hearing you again online and, uh, and dude, you're a rock star and I definitely look forward to having you out. Eric, here. I wish you the best of luck with the restaurant. I hope we get back soon and good luck with the podcast. I, uh, I truly hope that uh, it does take off for you and I uh, hope everybody checks it out. I appreciate it. Larry, See thanks, you, man. buddy. I'll talk Bye-bye. to you soon. Cheers.